0: And
1: welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top at Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Huntzinger, at Thunder Chats. And, you know, I'm sure you guys just got done listening with our awesome Josh Giddey coverage. Well, it's going to continue here, but we're also going to dive into the other draft prospects that the Thunder brought on in the NBA draft. And we're doing so with a very special guest returning to the Top at Thunder podcast. Joining us today, hailing from New York, USA, this man is a Chicago Bulls fan. When he came on the podcast last time, he had nearly three thousand subscribers on YouTube. Now he has nearly four thousand subscribers on YouTube. He's the co-host of the Draft App podcast, editor in chief of the Hardwood Magazine, and editor of Mike Schmidt's recruiting videos—not recruiting videos, God—draft prospect videos. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Wolf of Wall Street, Corey
0: Toliba. Hey, what's up, man? The look by far best intros in uh the whole podcast uh sphere so uh appreciate that i'm very excited to be back and uh and talk some thunder specific uh not even prospects anymore actual yeah roster rostered players on the team man
1: yeah and i, I left out the most important detail uh, i meant to say newly married Corey Toloba. Yes. so yes con- <laughs> you know if, if you uh if you guys have not yet be sure to congratulate mr toloba on his marriage um, so Corey, man, a lot's happened since last time we recorded. Um, but before we jump into the Thunder Prospects, I just want to talk about your Bulls,
0: man. Like, they had a pretty crazy offseason. Seriously, man. I, I mean, exceeded my expectations. So, um, it's an exciting time. I mean, look, you know, there's a little, looks like there could be a little, little hiccup with the uh Woe's reporting today about yeah. possible tampering, uh, you know, between the Bulls, the Pelicans, and then the Heat and the Raptors are involved in, uh, in, in tampering too. So we'll see what comes of it, but just from a strictly, you know, getting stuff done perspective, I am so happy with the bulls moves. I mean, my, I didn't even really talk about him, but like DeRozan was the guy that I wanted on the bulls the most, just because I, f- I felt like he, f- you know, kind of helped what we needed the most in a, a big playmaking wing who can get to the free throw line. That's what the bulls really struggled with outside of Levine. They just didn't really have anybody who consistently get dribble penetration gets, you know, draw fouls like even Vucevic that dude, you know, he's a bucket, but he doesn't draw any free throws. So we needed a guy like that. We needed a playmaker. Cause we, you know, Kobe white's not really a point guard. Yeah, Zach's not really a point guard. Um, so I was really thrilled with DeRozan. Yeah, you know I wish he made a few million dollars a year less, but mm-hmm. uh, you know it's a three-year deal. It's no longer the uh, seven-year guaranteed deals of old. And um, add Lonzo Ball into the mix, and Alex Caruso. I mean, it's a whole new team. I'm I'm super excited. You know, to I, the most excited I've been since uh, you know the last season that Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and Rajon Rondo were uh, donning Bulls uniforms. So it's, it was a long journey just to get back to the point that I've actually been super excited to watch Bulls games and feel like we can, you know, do a little bit of damage, hopefully. Yeah, man, absolutely. Not to mention uh, the
1: unlocking of two-way player Zach Levine. Yeah. Showing out in the Olympics. Gold medalist. Gold, yeah. gold
0: medalist Zach Levine, yeah
1: absolutely man I mean, if he can bring back some of that defensive uh defensive intensity throughout the season then yeah y'all can be looking real nice yeah, and stack
0: out there we're gonna need it we're gonna need it with uh <laughs> you know i look uh, for everything i like about derozan offensively you know the other end is uh you know <laughs> a work yeah. in progress from where and probably not a work in progress probably a uh just it is what it is type situation so you know zach zach's always wanted to be great and mm-hmm while he's definitely not, you know, been a lockdown guy, he's got better on that end every year. Um, he's wanted to, he works at it. So hopefully he takes this Olympic experience, uh, and, you know, brings something back with him confidence to win some games, learn how to win some games alongside all the greats that he played with. So I'm hoping for the, the two ways, Zach Levine that, uh, you know, we're theorizing right now. Absolutely, man.
1: Why speaking of international basketball, we got to talk about the international man of mystery. Uh, the person that I've heard has been nicknamed the Golden Boy by a lot of people in Australia, Josh Ooh. Giddy,
0: man. <laughs> yeah, I, Josh Giddy, man. I, I mean, I got to imagine that that was, uh, particularly shocking to most, uh, OKC fans, you know, especially the way the board fell. Um, you're probably, you know, starting to get the book night, maybe mm-hmm. some Kaminga and, uh, hearing josh giddy's name you know i was at the draft live in brooklyn and you know it's funny because like the fourth pick scotty barnes went to toronto and the place kind of like erupted because they all thought it was going to be Suggs, and uh who knew two picks later it was going to get even louder it felt like uh it was like all the 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 surprise and suspense and the shock it, it felt like i was at a wrestling event where like the rock came back like that's how loud it got in there with uh with the shock and awe but yeah man the the international man of mystery from uh down under Josh Giddy. that was that was was the call (laughs) yeah no we uh you know
1: as I told you we, we was recording a live podcast throughout the draft I think we ended up doing like four hours of podcasting which is just ridiculous to think back on but yeah uh we were all Pretty, we're not negative on the pick like Josh Giddy in like you know, his self. And it's like, I, I'll i tell you, like, I tell everybody else, like, I wasn't mad that we picked Josh Giddy because it was Josh Giddy. It was like, I didn't expect him to be there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had picked six, pick 16, and 18. I kind of projected Giddy to be in that like eight to 12, eight to 14 range. I never yeah. even like you know, watched film on him or anything like that because. You know, I just didn't think that he was an option. And then, of course, you know, the report came out the Grizzlies were wanting to get him picked ten. So, I was like, I mean, yeah, he's going to be long gone by the time we pick a 16. But, right, yeah, man, I mean, he the, they shocked the world. I mean, it's it, it's funny. You know, we talk about how last year Poku was the worst-kept secret in the draft. The Thunder's yeah. interest in Alex um was the worst-kept secret. And so, all these reports that's coming out about James Booknight, and everybody's like, well, you know, maybe it's presti's playing it close to the vest. He's trying to, you know, smoke screen everybody. like, well, last year Poku, you know, worst kept secret. And so, I, I myself, and I have led a lot of other Thunder fans to believe that it was gonna be James Boot night. So when it was Josh Giddy, like our collective all just dropped and hit the floor. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But um, yeah, Josh Giddy, he's a good basketball player. You know, he's yeah. got he's got some uh, he's got some uh, court vision. He's got some nice passing ability. Um, what, you know, besides that, because, you know, that's anybody who watches like five seconds of highlights could tell like that's his bread and butter. Um, what really stands out to you about Josh Giddy? Um, that, that's
0: good. Well, I think that, you know, the, the first thing you got to realize is like, this is an 18, 19 year old kid who played professionally and like balled out in a professional league. You know, um, he had no trouble fitting in. And looking like he could be the best player on the floor with grown men and you know some ex NBA guys on the floor. So to me, like I always um, take that to mean something when I'm scouting these international prospects because it's it's certainly a jump up from college competition. And you saw how prepared a guy like Lamelo Ball was coming over from the same league, having done a lot of the same things, having a lot of the same success. Now I think Lamelo, his shot is probably. He was probably always a little cleaner, even though there were certainly some inconsistencies. LaMelo's problem was just his shot selection. Giddy, at the beginning of the season, it was more the confidence in his shot. But one of the things, once he started feeling like, oh, not only do I belong, but I'm one of the best players on the floor, you saw that confidence and what he was capable of as a shot maker. And, I mean, you look at his shot. It's not like you're looking at something that needs to be reconstructed you know, there's little things maybe that he'll improve upon, but I just love the kid's confidence. And, and obviously the passing is like, it's hard to understate how impressive he is as a passer. Like he makes every pass in the book, right hand, left hand, um, just every spot on the floor, weak side hits, live dribble with the left hand from, you know, the opposite wing. It's, I mean, it's sick, his passing and I mean, the kid's complete, man. Like, I, I haven't even talked about his rebounding. He averaged over seven rebounds a game in this league. And at 6'8", that that size, at, at whatever position the Thunder are planning on playing him at, I don't even know what position <laughs> they envision him to play um, in this invi- in this uh, positionless league. I mean, his grab-and-go ability, that's where I think you're going to see this kid take off immediately. Just getting boards, pushing the pace, and you're going to see the playmaking, and you're going to see you know him attacking the rim. Because I think he's a little bit more athletic and slithery than he gets credit for because he looks upright on the surface but like he's got some shake to his game uh I think the kid's gonna he's he's a baller I, I really think this is a good spot for him and it's funny like I'm not trying to act like you know um you know some clairvoyant guy who's predicting this but I did go on a Knicks podcast prior to the draft and they asked me who who was going to be the Patrick Williams of this draft like climbing up boards and and shocking and i said Mm -hmm. if it was going to be anybody it was probably going to be josh giddy and i said it's probably going to be people wondering why josh giddy is getting called at pick six to the thunder so like as shocked as even i was in the moment hearing his name in brooklyn that night i couldn't have been that shocked because i i did think that he was going to be the wild card of the draft
1: yeah, I, I heard you say that um, when you was doing the draft recap, you, you was talking to Albert about it, and it was just like, oh, so it was, it was you that did it too. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, <laughs> No, man, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. Um, His confidence is something that really stands out to me too. You know, we had two guys uh, that actually report for the NBL on our podcast uh, re- here recently, and one of the things I asked him about was like, you know, because they brought up Ben Simmons, and I was like, you know, Ben Simmons is a guy who – you know, the last time we saw him, he was passing up a wide open layup for a contested layup, like a guy yeah. that just lost all confidence. And I was like, you know, is that something that compares to Josh Giddy? And then, you know, they was like, no, it's night and day. Like Josh Giddy is not afraid of the moment. He he wants the moment. He wants the ball in his hands. He wants to not just make the play, but make the right play. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about his weaknesses because I think everybody knows, you know, he's he's not a phenomenal defender or anything like that. He needs to put on some strength. Yeah. I think we all know that Uh, the shooting, hopefully, you know, that he continues to work on that. But uh, I I think, uh, you know, based on the conversations I've had with them and based on, you know, kind of his demeanor, uh, I think he's got a good enough work ethic and a determination to, you know, get better and, you know, really hone in on that shooting. But I'm excited to watch him in the summer league tomorrow. Uh, he's, you know, Shay's not going to be there, so I'm excited right. to see him run the show. Newly
0: signed, you know, yeah. locked up, long term.
1: Absolutely, man. I'm looking for a triple double right out of the gate.
0: <laughs> it's look, it. He might not be putting up the 20 point triple double like a Russ Westbrook, but mm-hmm. th- there's no doubt he's capable of putting up some triple doubles in these games if he gets uh, enough minutes. But he's also one of those guys. Like he might play like, you know, the first two games and then they get pulled out of it you know mm-hmm. like some of these high prospects who who are kind of ready for for that kind of work rate um you know that happens sometimes in the summer league so uh he might have a short stay in vegas but he's certainly uh going to be one of the the guys that's most fun to to watch against you know nba competition um in a nba uniform for the first time for sure
1: yeah for sure man and before we transition to the uh, the other guys i just want to ask one more question so like you know, you kind of touched on it. Like, where do you, you know, where's the Thunder going to play him? Um, if, if you were the coach, you were the head coach, you got Lou Dort, you got Shagos Alexander out there. Uh, what are you doing? You putting the ball in Giddy's hands and having Shae play off ball. Are you putting Giddy on the wing, be a wing creator? What, what, what's your plan? Coach Tolba.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I would hand him the keys um, to the offense right away, just because I think, you know, SGA is, that good. And he's obviously is one of the best isolation ball handlers in the entire league. You know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to take the ball out of his hands by any means, but I I think that early on you're probably going to see him use similarly to somebody like a Joe Ingles, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like a, a connecting piece um, who. Like I said, like as soon as he gets the ball in transition, I think he's leading the break. I don't think he's slowing the ball down to give it up. I think that's, that's his, the first thing you're going to notice about him, but in the half court, like he's the kind of guy that I think is going to be able to just, when he does have the ball, he's going to make the right decision, even as a young kid, uh, the majority of the time. And and maybe there are times that he makes, you know, a pass that seems a little ambitious Although less so in the way that like Poku did at times last year, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, but the, just I think that you're going to see him be a connector. And you know, when I look at Dort, when I look at SGA, and you could, you know, probably pencil that in as the starting backcourt. I think mm-hmm. with his size, um, having him be that connecting piece, kind of as as a wing, as like a big wing, especially because I think as a shooter he's going to find more success in spot up situations when he's coming into the league. I think the, the off the bounce stuff is going to be a pro, uh, a process, but I think he's going to be able to knock down catch and shoot shots right away. You know, maybe not off movement, like a Duncan Robinson or something like that, but just to, as a standstill shooter. And if he's any kind of threat as a, a standstill shooter in those situations, like it's one pump fake and now he's in the teeth of the defense and now he's going to be able to make plays, all over the floor with that defense just you know crashing in trying to uh, stop him from getting to the hoop so I think that he's going to play a little bit off ball a little bit on the ball but I, I would expect him to play a little bit of a Joe Ingles type role and you know I'm not trying to make an, an Aussie to Aussie comparison there yeah. but I, I you know I, I think it's certainly the type of thing that like it actually does make sense a little bit
1: yeah no I'm rather right with you um, as far as like him being a wing creator I mean Shea's shown that you know what he could do with the ball in his hands you know he's he considers himself a point guard he's came out publicly and said he wants to be the point guard and you know Dort like fits seamlessly with you know the two of them so right. i think giddy kind of like slides in perfectly at three spots we don't really have like any like future threes um for the team anyways you know some people consider poku more of a wing just because of his body type right now mm-hmm. so i could see <laughs> that but i I think I think they're gonna try to they're gonna try to start Shea Dort, Giddy and Poku together, so it's, it's gonna be very fun, uh, very interesting though. So, um, you know, speaking on comparisons, uh, I just want you you know before we move on, I just want you to uh, tell tell the podcast people what comparison you gave for Josh Giddy because I, I thought it was it, it was unique, definitely, but it, it was kind of awesome.
0: Um, all right, I'm trying trying to remember. I know I know the. One of the ones I gave was supercharged Tomas Saturansky. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's the one you're talking about. Yeah, you
1: said Tomas sataransky was yeah. some crap too.
0: Yeah, it was just Saturansky with some crap to him. Uh I, I mean, that's the thing. Like sataransky and you know, I watched him as, as a Bulls fan the last couple of years, like mm-hmm. the dude makes all the right plays. He does. He just doesn't have any like confidence to to go above and beyond in the NBA when when you watch him play in FIBA he looks like a boss like that dude is putting on for for his country but like in the NBA he's very just like you know trying not to make any mistakes or and and Giddy is gonna like he's got that same positional size I think he's got the same kind of ability to get to his spots on the floor if he wants to I just think he's gonna be way more willing to do it because he's got that confidence he's he's a young teenager who's been like you know, playing against grown ass men is, you know, the last year or so, and uh, now you know he, he's the sixth pick in the draft. That's got to feel pretty good after yeah. you know not being mocked there. So I think that yeah, Saturanski with a little bit a uh, little bit extra, Saturanski plus. I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> right, fun fact: Giddy's gonna make more next year than Shea to Alexander will because his Wild. extension won't kick in. <laughs> Um, all right well moving on to the guy that uh is is one of kind of kind of one of your guys i think you had him number 11 on your big board uh trey man yeah i That's like poetic uh, on him
0: yeah i'm a trey man guy i think i did end up moving him down to like 15 maybe ah. by the time my last board came out but i yeah, definitely I had him up at, at like 11 leading up to the draft um but that it honestly like the the range between 10 to you know, 15 or whatever like I had over there, maybe even 16 on my board, it was so tight that mm-hmm. I like all the maneuvering I was doing at the end was really just like gonna be situation based. Um and uh I, I mean he's in a great situation now too, like with the Thunder. I feel like the Thunder is such a good spot for these prospects to go to and develop because they're gonna have so much freedom to be who they are. And Trey Mann meant That dude is a bucket. Like he was one of the best isolation scorers, a lot like SGA, like in college basketball, like it was him and Cade Cunningham as like off the bounce threats to score with the rock in their hand. And uh, you know, that he did it as good or better than anybody. I mean, the kid's got combo move after combo move. He's shifty, stop on a dime, get you, put you on skates, logo range on his jumper. I mean, the kid can just flat out, score the rock off the bounce. And when you look at all of the guards who are having success in the NBA, he fits the bill. You know, he's, he's the the prototype as far as off the bounce shooting. So uh, that's definitely the reason I had him in that range. And you know, why, even when I dropped him down, it's not like I felt confident about it because he's a guy that could totally, you know, if he hits, he could be a 20 to 25 point per game scorer. You Know it's there, there are things that need to happen that he needs to improve upon,
1: yeah,
0: for him to get there. It's not like I'm guaranteeing or predicting that, but he has that potential in him for sure. Um, and uh, I think that like he actually is another guy, like he compliments Giddy. I think like Giddy being this kind of jumbo playmaker who's passed first is kind of like perfect to to fit next to a guard like SGA, a guard like Trey Mann, and and you know, he Trey Mann is going to get. Uh, plenty of opportunities to show that he can uh put that ball in the hoop for sure.
1: For sure, man. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for Trey, man. Um, one of our guys, uh, one, one of our podcast co-hosts, Stephen Dolan, um, under the live draft coverage, he was like, when we took Trey, man, you know, we was disappointed yeah. again because we felt <laughs> like it was kind of a reach, you know, based on you know all the mock drafts and everything. Um, but of course, you know, we we calmed down afterwards. But he said, why can't he be Book Night? Like, you know, they're Similar sizes, you know, similar scoring ability. Obviously, Boot Knight's probably got a higher ceiling um, defensively, playmaking, and just scoring in general, but like he kind of fits that archetype. So, uh, you know, stepping back, you know, looking at 10,000 feet, I can kind of see where he's coming from. Um, I- I'm kind of interested though, you know, OKC, you know, we got a lot of young guys, obviously, but specifically off the bench right now, we have three guards Trey Mann, Ty Jerome, and Teo Maladone. All three of them, well, Tao and Ty, specifically last year, I think they were two of the best three-point shooters on the team. I think Ty shot like 42%. Tao shot like 37%, 36%, something like that. Um, But they showed out like last year. So throwing Trey Man in the mix, Uh, how, how do you kind of see in that uh, rotation uh, playing out? Do you see those guys kind of playing off each other? you see one kind of stepping up um, at a higher level than the others? What are
0: you thinking? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, obviously the thunder backward is kind of crowded as far as like, but each player kind of brings something different to the table, which is, which is kind of interesting. There's not like a whole bunch of overlap. Um, I think though that Trey man, like out of all those guys, I think his ceiling is, is higher than, Mm -hmm. than all those other guards. Uh, and you know, I think like if you put him in last year's draft, you know, he's a guy that probably could have gone top 10. Um, Nice. I I I think that, you know, again though, like rookies are generally not good. So like mm-hmm. I would expect a guy like Trey Mann to have a little bit of a learning curve, because you know the thing that he did struggle with it certainly wasn't shooting. You know, you compare him to like or like scoring and say why can't he be Book Night? Like he's much he is a much more proven shooter than Book Night is. Yeah, off the bounce threat. Um, I think that one of the things that Trey Mann really did poorly last year too, was like shoot in catch and shoot scenarios. But it was like this really odd phenomenon. Cause he was so good off the bounce that it almost more felt like it was just like, he's going to be able, he's going to be just fine. Like it's, it's not something you should worry about. Um, but he is like a guy that I think is more used to playing with the ball in his hand. So like, mm-hmm. I think that like those other guys maybe are a little more malleable right now. And it's something that Trey man's going to have to learn how to do at the next level, because look, SGA is going to have the ball in his hands. Yeah. A lot when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, you know, you're probably going to be putting it in, you know, giddy as the six pick in his hands a lot. So Trey man's going to have to adjust and find different ways to contribute offensively. If the catch and shoot stuff, improves off his sophomore season, I think it could be a seamless fit. Um, but he's going to have to do that. Uh, and, and I think, you know, if these other guys, they got a little bit more experience. They got a leg up on him. But like I said, there's a lot of minutes to go around, you know, Giddy's a guy he's tall enough that you could even throw him at the four in a lot of situations. Like Dort is this weird player who could, he's probably able to guard, power forwards <laughs> occasionally even though he's yeah. like what six three because he's so strong He um,
1: a little bit last year yeah
0: like he's you know he could the versatility in this lineup is is really intriguing and um I mean I think the players are good enough that I, if SGA plays a full season I mean I think the team's gonna be way more competitive than people probably give them credit for because probably think they're trying to tank and stuff, but when SGA played, they were like a really competitive team. Yeah, It's going to be interesting. I mean, it's, it's good problems to have because all those players are talented. Um But yeah, Trey man, Trey man's definitely going to learn, ha- have to learn to play off, off the ball a little bit. Uh If he's going to really like find his footing early next year, because a lot of the stuff that he's good at, like it's going to take time before they give him the ball, having somebody like as proven as SGA.
1: Yeah. Uh- I think ultimately, like off the bench, Tao and Trey kind of run together. Yeah. And Ty ends up being the odd man out just because I love Ty Jerome. Like, you know, he's yeah, he's one of Shay's best friends. And you know, he balled out for us last year. Um, but I feel like Trey Man is kind of what Ty Jerome, like what we all want Ty Jerome to be. And you know, Trey Man already is like in year one. So um uh, and, and you know, I, I'm more invested in his
0: development at this point. So yeah, Ty Jerome seems like he's probably going to play on like eight or nine NBA teams by the time his career is done. Yeah, it's like he's good enough. Like he's a good player with like valuable skills that'll keep him in the NBA. But like ultimately, unless he like attaches himself to like you know some good veteran teams, you know when he gets to that part of his career, it seems like he's like going to be the odd man out in whatever situation he finds himself in. Just because like, but his potential isn't as high as like whatever players you're probably drafting. Whether, whether or not they become better than him, you know, is a different story. But, like, yeah. potential-wise, you know, he probably doesn't have as much quote-unquote potential as some of these other guys that teams will draft.
1: For sure, man. Uh, one of the last things I got on Trey, man, um, I, I know you, uh, you talked about, like, in the draft combine process, he really showed off his athleticism. He was, like, yeah. throwing down windmills and, you know, all these crazy dunks. But uh, you made a good point. You didn't really see him use that functionally in game, uh, during, in Florida season. But what you did say he was able to do, I think you, you really credited his float game.
0: Yeah. 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 So I uh, look, th- that's, what's like fun about watching like the combine and the workout stuff is like, you start seeing all these things that these players all of a sudden got really good at. And yeah. it's kind of like, it's cool for, um, you know, Twitter and like social media and stuff, but it's like, look, you had two years to show off that you could like throw down and you really struggled, you know, when when it came to like showing off your athletic ability. Mm-hmm. So it, that kind of stuff is, it's just like, oh, I didn't realize he could do that stuff, but I wouldn't expect it unless it's on a breakaway. Um, you know, cause he, the other thing is too, like with his finishing, like he's so right hand heavy with his finishing, yeah. you know, even when he's going to his left, he's trying to finish with his right hand. So I think that's like really where, He's gonna struggle outside of like um, you know, some of his playmaking stuff, which I'm you know sure we'll touch on. But yeah, the float game is smooth, man. And like he's got like high arcing, float, nothing but net, just and it's one of the most, you know, dangerous shots in a guard's arsenal at this point. And his handle is so so filthy that he's gonna have no problem getting to his spots, getting to that little in-between area. And because I think that he's going to have issues finishing um, at the next level early on in his career, it makes it even all that more important that that float game is on point. And I think that just the natural touch that he has in that area and how easily he could get to it by breaking guys down off the dribble and as a pick and roll threat, because his pick and roll game is, is crazy um, as a scorer, especially so. I think the float game is going to be essential for him, and if if he can get to that float game and make it an integral part of his game early on in his career, I think it's going to be you know crucial and really important and a really good sign for his development.
1: Yeah, it's it's becoming very like more and more important in the NBA. Like you just saw Trey Young just slice through the Sixers and the Bucks for most of the series.
0: Like the Knicks, I mean, he, he diced yeah. up the Knicks with that thing. It's hard. Look, it, like especially if you have a, a lob threat on your team, you know, like it's like you gotta pick your poison, like you're gonna give up the floater or you're gonna, you know, have the big kind of try to block it and give up an alley oop. So um you put athletes around, you know, a kid like Trey Man who has that float game, like it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough on defenses.
1: For sure, man. Um you now you talked about his playmaking there for a little bit. Um like I said I, I kind of project him to be playing alongside Tao Maladome and Taylor's a pretty good playmaker in his own right. Do you yeah. see Trey as more of a primary playmaker or more of like a secondary playmaker, kind of like Giddy will be playing for Shea?
0: Yeah, maybe, you know what, maybe even like a tertiary playmaker yeah. at this point. Yeah, I, I think like his playmaking, I, I do think that it's better than he showed off in college, um, especially if he gets the opportunity to run more pick and roll. Like if I was coaching you know, and Trey Man, I, I gave the ball to Trey Man. I would put him in just high ball screen after high ball screen, because you know, in those high ball screens, it's easier to kind of like dictate where the reads are. Like you come off if the the low man is too far down in the paint, and you know the weak side wing is out of position. You could hit the corner if the you know the strong corner defender digs too far you could, you know it's all like really basic reads that yeah. you can kind of like go over and film it's not something that you're kind of like um making up in your head when he had to do that that's when he kind of struggled like he had one of his big issues was like he liked to dance with the ball and a lot of times like it looks pretty but he's not going anywhere and he's dribbling the air out of the ball there's a you know with a 24 second shot clock in the nba like that's an issue so put him in high ball screens and if you're gonna make him make plays let him make plays out of out of the ball screens, especially because, you know, if he's making – he's collapsing the defense out of a ball screen, the Thunder now have so many good playmakers that are going to be off ball in, you know, Giddy, yeah. in Malina, in SGA, guys who could attack, and then in Poku, you know, guys that are going to be able to really make the defense pay off of that first pass. So that's what I would aim for for his playmaking, but he really – does need to work on some of the off ball playmaking stuff and making reads when he doesn't have the ball in his hands coming off the screen. That's where, he, that's why, like, like if he was a guy who averaged five, six assists a game, he would have went way higher than he did. Yeah. Um But I, I do think that he does have some of some potential to unlock. And I, I just, I think in college, he didn't get put in enough high ball screen opportunities as a playmaker. And I think if he does that in the NBA, he's, that's where you're gonna you're gonna want him to make plays out of.
1: I got you. Yeah, I was actually having a conversation with somebody on Twitter. Um, yeah, kind of close to home for you. We was talking about the potential of bringing in Laurie Markkinen. Yeah, uh, to the team, and uh, I said if we brought him in, I'd like to see him play five. You know, mm-hmm. just like completely spread the floor out for Shea, and Giddy, and you know, and, and the whole co. Because if you do that, you know, ideally you get rid of favors, and then you have Moose, our boy Moose. And, right. you know, you have spacing, you know, no matter what big is on the floor. And I was like, well, I don't like that because Trey Mann is, you know, he does best in pick and roll. Mm-hmm. So do you think there's like a big difference in Trey's success for pick and roll and pick and pop? Do we not get to see enough of it? What do you think?
0: Yeah. I, look, he'll, As long as you put him in a high ball screen, yeah. I think that you'll see that he could make like the right play. Um, whether it's pick or pop or to a dive man, I still think that he has the potential to make these reads. For whatever reason, I think when he's in isolation, he's dancing with the ball. He just doesn't have the feel for kind of when to make the pass and when to keep the ball in his hands. Um, but I look, I Laurie, as a Bulls fan, like I'm probably one of the last Bulls fans who are still kind of supporting Marketing, yeah. uh, especially because, you know, he had such a, a good first two years in the league. The last two years he struggled, although I thought he played pretty well last year. He just we just made trades that kind of put him on the bench. Um, But as a five offensively in a lineup like that, like, yeah, like the, the spacing um, and one of the underrated parts about marketing games, when you make him a dive man and have him roll to the hoop, like he's good, he's good at it. You yeah. know, he's, he, he's a good passer. He can make a little dump offs. He can um he's, he's good in the mid range if you let him shoot it from the mid range and, you know he's got he's got a little bit of stuff to him sometimes and he'll he'll attack the hoop and you know i like him in that context more than like a lot of people want him to like post up smaller guys like I, that to me was never really yeah. like one of his strengths and you're trying to like make him do stuff that i'm not i just never really made a lot of sense um offensively i think that team would be like a lot a lot of fun yeah. the problem with in uh as a five man is defensively you know, a lot
1: of pressure on door on that. Unit.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like, there's not a lot of rim protection. Um, I think Markinen's probably a little bit better than people give him credit for being. Like, I don't think he's single-handedly destroying your your defense by any means. You know, um, but he's certainly not one of these you know Clint Capella you know type guys who are anchoring your defense either. But offensively, yeah, it, I, I think the more shooting the more room that you give a guy like trey man like he's going to thrive um because he's going to be able to get to those spots in the in the mid-range where he could hit pull-ups he's going to get to his floater and the more room you have like if you're talking about a guy who you want to improve his finishing like it's way easier to finish with one guy standing there versus like a clogged paint paint there's three defenders there so yeah the more space you give any player like it's going to be beneficial for sure
1: absolutely man Um, you know, moving on to our next prospect, uh, this is a guy that I know very little about. So you're going to have to do a lot of talking here. Um, the only thing I know about him is when you were first on and I asked you for some second round sleepers, some guys that you thought we should target. Uh, he was one of the first names that came out of your mouth. Jeremiah Robinson Earl.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Look, uh, I think that thunder fans are going to love this dude. I really do. I think that like he is going to play every front court position for the thunder um, he's six, eight, six, nine, good wingspan, kind of not great at anything, but also not really bad at anything, just completely like fine in every way. Solid. But like, and it like, but to say that, like, it, I'm not really saying that as a bad thing, you know, he's just like this versatile guy that as a second round prospect, like I looked at him and I was like, this is a guy, he's probably going to play in the NBA for over 10 years. You know, and, and he's a guy that especially, like, if he does develop his shot in any capacity, like, he's going to be a starter for a number of those years. Yeah. You know, so uh, I think that, one, I don't bet against Villanova prospects. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. Like, Villanova prospects make good pros. You know, uh, it, Ryan Archie Diacono still in the NBA. He's Greatest name ever. You know, like, <laughs> so um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, he's a guy, you know, He's he's just good man. He he's a winner. He plays winning basketball, doesn't make mistakes, defends multiple positions, strong, rebounds, can handle, uh, can put it on the floor. Never going to be your number 1, 2 or 3 option scoring wise, but like he's going to do a lot of the dirty work and just be one of those guys that you know is going to be the guy who the fan base just l- loves more than the other teams. Like you're, you're you'll be arguing with other teams like on Twitter or other fans of teams on Twitter like how much better a guy like him is, than his stats indicate like that's the type of player that he is. Like the stuff that he does is not going to show up in the box score all the time, but he's going to be the guy that the coaches trust because he knows how to play the game the right way. And he's going to be in the right spots.
1: Love guys like that. Had to do that for years for Steven
0: Adams, Nondra, Robertson and co. So yeah, exactly. We're trained. (laughs) Yeah. And, and look, he's the modern NBA wing, man. Like he's going to have the size and, and the strength and the length to guard a lot of these kind of big fours, you know, uh, obviously like early on I'm not predicting he's going to line up against Kawhi and LeBron and shut them down or anything, but like he's the archetype of guy that you want to line up across for them eventually. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see because uh, him and Josh Giddy are our tallest prospects on the entire summer league roster. So <laughs> he's going to be thrown into the fire right off the bat, uh, garden being bigs. And I'm sure he'll, he'll get switched on to some wings too. So, we'll get to see firsthand. I, I'm excited. I mean, he seems like a well-spoken dude and everything I've heard, you know, just like you said, he's kind of a do-it-all guy, Jack of all yep. trades, master of none. But I think the big thing that you highlighted is he doesn't make mistakes. And yeah, I, I think that's something that the Thunder value a lot. And I think that's ultimately awesome could be why they actually traded up to get him at pick right. 32.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you need guys like him who aren't going to be high usage too. Like, especially mm-hmm. like the guys that you brought in, um, not that I think Giddy is going to be one of these guys who has super high usage. Like, you know, you look at uh, other connectors that are kind of sort of like him in ways like Lonzo ball, like Lonzo doesn't have a high usage, but he has the ball in his hands a- enough. And I think that, um, you know, Robinson uh, or Giddy is going to be like that. And uh, you need guys like Robinson Earl to play off of all these other guys who have the ball in his hands and just don't need the ball. So I I like I like taking Robinson Earl there. I think it's a smart move. You made some upside swings and now try to find value in some of these these second round picks that you can kind of fill the roster in on these cheap contracts for when you either make a move to put pieces around SGA or just internally it's time to make that jump. You'll have a guy like Robinson Earl on a cheap contract. Like you need these dudes.
1: Yeah, you gotta have those high level role players, man.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like uh, Jay Crowder was
1: Uh, instrumental for the suns bobby portis for the Bucks. so those guys those guys are definitely uh, instrumental for those kind of runs um you know last guy that we drafted here uh he actually signed a two-way contract already but he's on the summer league roster and uh i'm actually kind of intrigued about him i know about as much about him as much as i knew about jeremiah robinson earl i know even less about this guy aaron wiggins out of maryland so what, what you got about aaron wiggins
0: yeah um I mean, he's a guy who he's a, a pretty good rebounder. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I'm interested to see how much time he gets because uh, not really like that great a shooter. Um, yeah. I think you know his calling card is just going to be defense and doing the dirty work if he ends up playing any minutes. Um, but when you're this late in the draft, like you're probably looking at guys who are going to be playing more in your uh, your G League team than you know the actual uh, NBA minutes, oh, yeah. but, um, but, you know, he's got good size, you know, 6'10 wingspan. Um, so I would look for him to kind of be just hustle, hustle guy. And I think that, you know, Presti's kind of taking chances on, you know, the athletic kind of hustle guys, see if they can develop. Uh, I think he might be one of these, you know, prospects in the, in the same vein there.
1: Oh, I get like it. Yep. Yeah. I mean hey I, I didn't have much more to add, add to him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, he mentioned in the press conference that uh he he considers himself like a mid-range savant you know it's yeah. it's, a, it's a shot that a lot of people thought was dying but you know you see it coming back in the NBA and he said you know that's that's kind of something that I pride myself on so it would be interesting to see uh you know how much he can develop in the G League for the Blue um cuz I mean from from what I could tell uh, the players that are in there two-way prospects and everything he might be one of the best players like are automatically coming in so Mentioned to see what he could do, you know,
0: with yeah. the keys of the offense. Yeah. And I think if he's gonna, you know, be interested in taking mid range shots, it's probably gonna be in that G League. It's it's not often yeah. like, you know, like SGA is gonna be the guy <laughs> on the thunder and Trey yeah. Mann are gonna be the mid-range guys. The role players taking mid range shots are why it's kind of died off. So it's like you want yeah. you want the the A one guys to be taking your mid range shots because typically that's the efficient shot um in the playoffs uh the the role players when they start taking the mid-range that's when you start seeing the analytics balance the wrong way uh for the mid-range and and why we kind of say it died off a little bit so i don't foresee him taking a whole bunch of mid-range jumpers in the the real league but yeah yeah let him go to work in the mid-range in in the g league right see what he see what he could do see if he could uh you know extend that range out consistently in the nba and you know i think that's what he's gonna have to do to to find you know a real role in in the league
1: for sure, man. Be nice if we got another three and D prospect to throw on the roster there. That's um, it. All right, man. Well, hey, that's that's all we got for the draft coverage. You know, we like to end this thing with a little bit of fun time here. So, you know, you did so great at it last time. I know you said it's not something you do; <laughs> it's something Albert does. Yeah, guys, sell me this pin on our prospects, man. Sell me this pin right. on Josh
0: Getty. All right. Do you, uh, are you a team that needs a six foot eight playmaker? Who can make every pass in the book, live dribble, left hand, right hand, who's got a little bit of crap to his game, a little bit of confidence. Maybe he's handsome enough that you could put him on, uh, on the posters in the arena. A guy that could do uh, a little bit of everything some rebounding, some scoring, some passing. Maybe, you know, be that connector to fit all of the, the random pieces that you have on your team. If, if you're looking for a guy like that, you're going to want to take Josh Giddy. At pick six in the twenty twenty one NBA draft.
1: There you go. Uh, I mean this this is the this is the pitch that he pitched to Sam Presti before the <laughs> draft, guys. So th- this is this is your guy to blame or think. You know, we might be thinking. So all right, so much Penn, Trey Man.
0: All right. Are you a team that needs some help scoring a little bit? Are you a team that needs somebody who could play with the ball in his hands? Are you a team? That needs one of, if not the best off the bounce shooter in all of college basketball. Are you a team that needs a point guard who could slide between the one and the two with good size? And are you a team that needs a high potential player getting mocked way too low throughout the season to take a chance on with one of your potential three first round picks? you should take a look at Florida's train man.
1: There you go, man. Uh, you, you just had to twist the knife though, reminding that we <laughs> traded
0: uh, the Shangoon pick for. Yeah. Two you know play. what? That Shangoon pick. I actually, that was the, fr- I went to, to buy some, uh, some nachos at the arena that night and, and I saw the Thunder draft at Shangoon. And I was like, man, what a draft they're having. And then I saw that it, it was traded. I felt a little, I felt a little bad for, for the Thunder fans. Cause you know, you know, Shangoon's my guy. Mm-hmm. One of my guys in this draft, but it's all right. Thunder did well.
1: Yeah, I, I like Shingun too, and then uh, actually one of our the co hosts Matty Moles. I, I mentioned to you last time he had Shingun kind of like his top six, I think, in yeah. his board like months ago, and so he, he 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 kind of had a conniption fit about it, but that's all <laughs> good. Um, all right, I'm not going to ask you to sell me this pen on you know them, uh, I guess separately because it might be a little bit too hard. Send me this pink <laughs> on the collective unit of Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Aaron
0: Wiggins. All right. Are you a team that has a whole bunch of talent? Are you a team that has a whole bunch of guys that need to play with the ball in their hands? And are you a team that needs guys to fit those guys who need the ball in their hands? Well, then you need to take a look at a guy like Jeremiah Robinson Earl or a guy like Andrew Wiggins guys who are going to be able to, to be smooth operators from multiple spots on the floor who are going to be able to defend multiple spots on the floor who are going to be willing to do a little bit of the dirty work a little bit of the stuff that isn't going to show up in the box score well then you need to take a chance on two maybe a little bit more boring a little more older players in jeremiah robinson earl and andrew wiggins andrew wiggins
1: Bringing in Aaron Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Aaron Wiggins.
0: <laughs> uh, it's all good. You're, you're not
1: the first. You won't be the last. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, man. Before I let you go here, I got one more thing. I started doing it the last podcast. You've got to pick your cringe-worthy, giddy catchphrase for Thunder fans. All right. So, first, we got giddy, mate. Second, <laughs> we got giddy for
0: giddy. And third, we got giddy up. What was the second one? Uh, giddy for giddy. Giddy for giddy. That one.
1: All right. <laughs> that one. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I think our uh, our Aussie. He said. Uh, he said. I say good day, mate, every day. So I'm gonna pick good day, mate. I was like, all right, awesome. <laughs> well, I like it.
0: it. Wait. So wait, were we supposed to pick the one we didn't like or the one we did like? Uh, pick the one that you did like. Sorry. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm the good day, mate. Too. That's okay. that one's. That's the one. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, good. that's the
1: one. Yeah, I, I understand. Get it. nobody. Nobody likes the giddy for giddy. Little bit too much, but hey, Corey, man, I appreciate you coming on once again. Uh, you know, talk about the prospect or talk about the people that we drafted. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on in the first place, uh, you know, before the draft, and uh, look forward to having you on, you know, as we get into the draft in the next coming years. But um, I'm gonna go ahead and let you plug your stuff, your podcast, YouTube, Twitter, anything you want to plug, man.
0: Um, yeah, you so uh, I know that the draft is over, but we're going to. Um, touch on the 2022 draft prospects and some summer league stuff on the Draft Ack NBA Draft podcast. Um, so you can follow uh, anywhere that you find your podcast. You can uh, find that there. You could find the Hardwood Herald YouTube channel where you're going to find a whole bunch of scouting breakdowns and um, some other fun stuff. Uh, so s- subscribe there if you uh, really want to get an early start on what these prospects are like in high school and FIBA competition and whatnot. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Hardwood Mag. So, um, all the links for anything creatively that I do, including the Hardwood Magazine, you can find right on on that link. And uh, yeah, follow shoot me a follow on there and uh, hit me up, and we'll talk some basketball. There you go, man. And yeah, he he's one of the best
1: top basketball man, one of the best <laughs> prospects in the game. Hey, I, I found out Mac, Mike Schmidt's actually got his start editing Gavoni's uh, Gavoni's uh, videos. So. You got your foot in the right door, man. I'm hoping. <laughs> there we go. We'll speak it into existence. But hey, man, you remember last time, you know, we closed out with a thunder up in unison. What for you to join me because it's just me today. So, <laughs> um, guys, uh, thank you for listening. Y'all have a great night. God bless. Wear a mask where you need to. Get vaccinated if you haven't. Hoop when you can. And as always, thunder up. Thunder up. Yes, there he is.